0: Please strengthen your Bibles this afternoon in the first place to Psalm 139. Psalm 139, page 662 in the Adoration Bible, 662. We're going to read this psalm as well as a portion from Romans chapter 8 in connection with what we confess in Lord's Day 9 of the Heidelberg Catechism. One of the wonderful things about Scripture is that you can. Study scripture from different angles. A a few weeks ago, Reverend Bilesma invited you to look at this psalm from the perspective of pursuing perfection. And this afternoon, we look at this psalm from the perspective of God's person and providential purpose in our lives. Psalm 139 to the choir master, a psalm of David. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you, and I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. And in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. in the way everlasting. Let's turn to the second place to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, page 1201. Romans 8, we'll read verses 12 to 17. Romans chapter 8 at verse 12. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him, in order that we may also be glorified with Him. The grass withers and the flower fades, but God's Word endures forever. I you turn also to Lord's Day 9 of the Heidelberg Catechism. If you're using the Forms and Prayers books, it's on page 210. It's on page 876 in the back of the songbooks. If you're visiting with us, we've been working our way through the Heidelberg Catechism. And in Lord's Day 8, we began the section of the Catechism dealing with uh, the Catechism's treatment of the Apostles. Creed, what we believe concerning God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And Lord's Days 9 and 10 uh, both teach us about what we believe concerning God the Father. We consider Lord's Day 9 uh, this afternoon. We'll read the questions and answers responsively. The question is this, what do you believe when you say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and everything in them, who still upholds and rules them by his eternal counsel and providence, is my God and Father for the sake of Christ his Son. I trust God so much that I do not doubt he will provide whatever I need for body and soul. He will turn to my good whatever adversity he sends upon me in this veil of tears. He is able to do this because He is Almighty God. He desires to do this because He is a faithful Father. This the Church of Christ does believe and confess throughout the world. Dear congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, what does it mean to you to be known by God? Perhaps for some of you, the thought of being known by God in the way that the psalmist describes here is a rather frightening thing. After all, to be known by God in such a way means that that all your sinful desires, all your bent affections are before His sight. To be known by God in the way that David describes here means that God knows you even better than you know yourself. And so this knowledge that God has for all His creatures has driven some to hate God. It's driven some to despise God, to want nothing to do with God. Tormented by the knowledge that one day all shall stand before a God who knows them, even better than they know themselves, is too much to bear for some people. And so when this all-knowing God sent His Son into the world... The world sought to kill Him because perhaps if they killed Him, they could escape the judgment that His coming had declared against them. But Psalm 139 shows us that there is no escaping this all-knowing God. There is no hiding from this God. There is no outrunning this God, neither in this life nor in the life to come. For on the last day, all will indeed stand before this God and and give an account to the God who knows all of every thought, word, and deed. Some will do that in fear and terror, but others will do so without fear. Others, like you and me, will do so in the confidence of our Savior. The righteous will will stand before this all-knowing God, and they will have nothing to fear. Because they'll stand before the all-knowing one, not as slaves to sin, but but as sons of God, as fellow heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. As Paul says, all who are led by the Spirit of God are indeed sons of God. For we have not received a spirit of slavery to, to fall back into fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So what does it mean to you to be known by God? Well, according to our catechism, to be known by God can be compared to the way in which a child is known by his or her father. Boys and girls, good fathers know their children, don't they? Good fathers can typically tell when a child is lying or telling the truth. Good fathers can typically tell when when something is the matter. And good fathers love their children. In part because when they see their children, they see glimpses of themselves, even as our Heavenly Father sees a glimpse of Himself in us when He sees us through the lens of the Lord Jesus. Well, just as good earthly fathers know their children in a much greater way, our Heavenly Father knows us. In verses 1 through 6 of Psalm 139, we discover that that He knows us from the inside out. He knows each and every one of us personally. In verses 7 to 12, we discover that wherever we are or wherever we go, His fatherly hand remains with us to lead us and, and to hold us. And in verses 13 to 16, we discover that He has a providential purpose for our lives. His eyes saw, even... Our unformed substance, and in his book, were written every single one of them. All the days that were formed for us, even when as yet there was none of them. And so this psalm illustrates for us quite well the truth of our catechism, that this God who who upholds the universe by his eternal counsel and providence is also upholding you and me. And so we can trust that beyond a shadow of a doubt that that God will indeed provide whatever we need for body or soul, and He will turn to our good, whatever adversity He sends upon us in this sad world. As we heard in the form for baptism, when we are baptized into the name of the Father, God the Father testifies and seals to us that He makes an eternal covenant of grace with us and adopts us as His own children and heirs. Therefore, He promises to provide us with everything good, and to protect us from all evil, or turn it to our prophet. He's able to do this, as we confess in Lord's Day 9, because He is Almighty God. But more than that, He desires to do this because He is a faithful Father. My God is willing and able. This congregation is the believer's confession and, and comfort. He is not only able to to lead us and guide us through all the twists and turns of this life, but He actually desires to do so. It's His good pleasure to do so. He he desires to do so on account of the fact that, that He has become our God and Father for the sake of Christ His Son. One of the wonderful things that we discover in the opening verses of this psalm is the intimate knowledge, the intimate relationship that exists between the Lord and His covenant children. As David begins the psalm, we come to see that the Lord has, has an invested interest in David's life and well-being. And because of that, David can trust that God will answer that prayer at the end of the psalm, lead me, Lord, in the way everlasting. According to David, who is also a child of God, to be known by God is is a comfort that he cannot fully begin to grasp. He says in verse 6, such knowledge is is too wonderful for me. It is is high. I cannot attain it. He opens with these words, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up and you discern my thoughts from afar. Lord's Day 9 introduces us to the privilege of Knowing God, we have the comfort to know that the eternal God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has become our God and Father too for the sake of Christ His Son. And what a privilege it is to to know God, to to know God as Father. But David shows us here that this relationship is not just a a one-way street. For not only do we know Him, but more significantly, David shows us that, that He knows us. And not just in a general way, not just in in, in an aloof sort of way. It's not just that he knows us in the way that you might know some work acquaintance kind of at a distance. But he knows us even as a father knows his children. How again does David put it in Psalm 103? As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. David knows that he is known by God, and, and what a comfort that is, perhaps some of you might be tempted to feel as though no one really knows you, as though no one really understands you. Perhaps you sometimes feel like you're invisible. Listen to what David is telling us here. He's saying, it's not true. God knows you. And God sees you. He understands you. And He knows everything about you that makes you you. God knows your insecurities. He knows all your perceived inadequacies. He knows all your desires. He knows all the longings of your hearts. Even before the words are on your tongues to pray for those things that you desire more than anything else, well, David says he already knows those things too. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, and you discern all my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and are acquainted with all my ways, even before a word is on my tongue. Behold, O Lord, you know it all You may have noticed how David has opened this prayer by addressing God by his covenant name, by addressing him as, as Lord or as Yahweh. You see, David knows that God is not only almighty God, all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful, but he knows this God also to be the God of the covenant. He is also the God of covenant and fellowship who knows his own by name. God knows the three babies who were baptized this afternoon, for it was he who knit them together in their mother's wombs. God knows the color of their eyes. He knows the color of their hair. He knows what the color of their hair will be 70 years from now. He knows them. And he knows all that he has in store for them. And the same is true for each and every one of us this afternoon. He knows us personally. He is acquainted with all our ways. And if we are in the Lord Jesus Christ, God is acquainted with all our ways. Not to judge us, not to condemn us. But rather to pity us to pity us with His covenant compassion. You see, God is never indifferent towards you. God is never unconcerned about you or what you're going through. But as your faithful Father, He loves you as much as He loves the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 5, David says, you hem or you hedge me in behind and before, by which David means to say that God knows us so well that He knows how much we stand in need of His protection throughout the course of our lives. He hems us in. He lays His hand upon us. On these first few verses, an old Dutch Reformed pastor, Benna Howarda, once reflected on what it meant to be hemmed in by God. He says, as a pastor, I have stood at many deathbeds, I have stood at many deathbeds where the torch of life has burned very low, the hands lying powerless on the blankets, the tongue no longer able to speak. But in those moments, he writes, I have learned more fully who the Lord is. Behold, there is not a word on my tongue, even when no words can leave my mouth, when God does not know me altogether. Even at death's door, he writes, God has hemmed his child in behind him before and has laid his hand upon her. Even there, God in Christ stands beside her. He covers her back. He holds his arm around her and forever holds on to her. And he is ready to take her to be where he is. This, beloved, is who our God is. This is the God of of Lord's Day 9, the very same God who made the universe, the very same God who who continues to uphold the universe by His eternal counsel and providence, also made you, and He's also holding you in the palm of His hand. That's what we come to see more fully still in verses 7-12. to The second major thing we see in this psalm is that God is everywhere present. He is omnipresent. He perceives all things and and all places. And and the comfort of the believer congregation is that God is everywhere present for our good. As David contemplates the, the vastness of the universe, as he considers the immeasurable distance of the world, he comes to this profound conclusion that even in the midst of his small existence, the Lord of the universe, is always right beside him. He says, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the, dark, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. With you the night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. David is emphasizing once again, the Lord is everywhere present in order to protect his children. That's why, that's why he does what our confession says he does. He upholds all things and rules all things by His eternal counsel and providence for my sake. He does that for your sake. He does so that you might learn more and more to place all your trust in Him. Do you trust this all-knowing, all-present God this afternoon? When you feel like you're all alone, have nowhere else to turn, do you turn to Him and fix your eyes upon Him? This is what Lord's Day 9 is setting before us. This is what baptism sets before us and before our children, that regardless of, of what may come our way, we should cling to this one God and trust in Him. Have we taken hold of what the Lord Jesus said to His disciples in His Sermon on the Mount? Therefore, I say to you, be anxious for nothing. Do not worry. Don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink. Don't worry about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Just look at the birds of the air, He said. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them and cares for them. Are you not of more value than they? Even if you find yourselves in thick darkness, in the thick darkness of besetting sin, if you find yourselves in the thick darkness of serious sickness or in the thick darkness of the shadow of the valley of death itself, Even in the darkness, David takes heart in the knowledge that God is still right there with him. Even if I make my bed in Sheol, sometimes translated place of the dead, other times hell, says David. Even if I I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. We hear it said all the time, you made your bed, you lie in it. What does the Father say to us? He says, oh my children, don't you see that you've all made your beds in hell? Don't you see that you've all made your bed in hell by by choosing sin over me? But he says, you need not lie in that bed. He says, for I will lie in that bed for you. And that's exactly what he did as his fatherly hand went against the Son as he hung upon the cross? Where can you go from God's Spirit? Where can you flee from His presence? The answer we discover is nowhere. For His hand shall lead you and His right hand shall hold you. And that congregation is quite the place to be, is it not? Held fast in the right hand of God, As you know, that's where the Lord Jesus is right now. Jesus is seated at God's right hand. God's right hand is a place of security. God's right hand is a place of honor and victory. God's right hand is a place of royalty. And in virtue of our union with our older brother, the Lord Jesus, that's where we are. Paul says that That we who are united to Christ are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And so, even in the midst of all the sadness and sorrow that accompanies living life in a fallen world, we need not worry. We need not fear because the Spirit of God is here. He is here with us in all these things, He is with us in the darkness and the shadows even if you take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, God's hand shall lead you and His right hand shall hold you. We don't need to lose heart when life goes dark because God's fatherly hand is always with us. And He has a providential purpose, in fact, to... To work all things together for our good, just as Paul says in Romans eight, twenty-eight, for we know that for those who love God all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might make, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. David trusts that the Lord has a providential purpose for his life. The Lord is the one who knit him together in the mother's womb and even before that took place, what does David say in verse 16? He says, your eyes saw even my unformed substance and in your book were written every single one of them all the days that were formed for me even when as yet There were none of them. Isn't that quite something to think about? That in God's providential book, there's a chapter with with your name on it. And God knows how that chapter begins and He knows how it ends. That it ends in everlasting glory with Him. And He's bringing you to that place. And all things that come our way in this life. It's on this basis that God has a providential purpose for us and for the world. It's on that basis that, that we make this bold confession. I trust God. I trust Him so much that I do not doubt that He will provide whatever I need for body and soul, and that He will turn to my good whatever adversity He sends upon me in this veil of tears. Do you believe that this afternoon? Do you believe that it is God who sends adversities your way? And do you believe that God will turn to your good the adversities that He sends? It's sometimes hard to believe that, isn't it? It's hard to trust God when life isn't going according to plan. It's not always easy to believe what God's Word says. The plans that God has for us are better than the plans that we would make for ourselves, because we tend to think that we know ourselves so well. We tend to think, well, well, who knows me, and who knows what I need better than I do? But David shows us here that God does. God knows you from the inside out. It was He who formed your inward parts, who knitted you together in your mother's womb. Your frame was not hidden from Him, when you are being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Do we praise God for this, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made? Do we praise God for the fact that God knows us even better than we know ourselves, that, that His plans for us are better than the plans that we would make for ourselves? In our present experiences in this life, we need to believe that when when plans don't go our way. We must never begin to imagine that God has somehow gone against us or forgotten us. And yet that's what we often tend to think. We tend to think, well, this, this wasn't the plan. God, God must be against me. And as the various trials and tragedies of this life come our way, we can't help but sometimes wonder, Really, even these days? Or even these days, written in God's book? But the answer is yes. Your eyes saw even my unformed substance, and in your book were written every single one of them, all the days that you formed for me, even when as yet there were none of them. We sometimes forget the fact that God has woven suffering into this life so that we might experience more fully the glories of the life to come. That's what Paul says also in Romans chapter 8, that we are fellow heirs with Christ provided that we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. As we'll see more fully still in Lord's Day 10, nothing comes our way by chance or by happenstance, but all things, but all things are being governed according to God's plan and according to God's providential purposes for us and for the world. So even in the midst of distress and anguish, even as men of blood were pursuing David and, and speaking against God with malicious intent and taking God's name in vain, What does David do? He he takes refuge in his God and Father. And David leaves their demise to the God who has written all our days in his book. And so what more can David say? What more can we say than what he says in verses 17 and 18? How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them They are more than the sand. Because David knows that he is a son of God, he can pray in verses 23 and 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way within me. Why can he pray that? Perhaps that's a scary prayer for us to pray. Search me, O God, know my heart. David knows that God has answered his prayer from Psalm 51, created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me that I may be white as snow. Wash me that I may be clean. And so we pray with the same hearts this afternoon, with hearts that have been sprinkled clean. That's what we confess about the incarnation and Lord's Day 11, isn't it, if you were to Turn to Lord's Day 11, the question asked, how does the holy conception and birth of Christ benefit you? And there the answer is given, he is our mediator. And in God's sight, he covers with his innocence and perfect holiness all my sin, even the sin I was conceived with. And because this is so, we can be sure that God will indeed lead us in the way everlasting. That in virtue of our union with our older brother, the Lord Jesus, it's not just that God is able to lead us in the way everlasting. But it's what he desires to do more than anything else. My God is willing and able. As Paul says in Ephesians 3 verse 20, he is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ever ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. God is more than willing. He is more than willing to lead us in the way everlasting. May this be our confession all the days of our lives. May this be our confession on the last day when, when we stand before the all-knowing one clothed in the garments of our older brother the Lord Jesus Christ. He who testifies to all these things says surely I am coming soon. And so we pray, even so, come, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we confess that you are the all-knowing one, that you know each and every one of us from the inside out. You are acquainted with all our ways. You discern our thoughts from afar. Such knowledge is too wonderful for us, oh Lord, it is high, and we cannot attain it. But we thank you for it. We thank you for the knowledge that you know us as a father knows his children. We thank you for the glory of union with Christ, that in virtue of our union with him, you have become our God and Father for his sake. And so, we pray that you would indeed help us to trust you and not doubt that you will provide whatever we need for body and soul. Help us to trust that you will even turn to our good, all the adversities that come our way in this sad world, this valley of tears. Father, we pray that in the midst of the valley of tears, we would see That you have a providential purpose to refine us, to purge us, to prepare us for everlasting glory as we'll behold the Lord Jesus face to face. And so, Father, when we wonder whether or not days of sorrow are written in your book, may we take heart in knowing That they are written in your book. They have not come by chance or by happenstance, but that you have a providential purpose in the difficult days to conform us more and more into the image of your Son. Father, we pray that he would come soon, for we have confidence in knowing that we need not fear on the day of his coming when we stand before the All Knowing One, but that we'll stand before him clothed in his own righteousness. And so we pray that you would come quickly, that you would be gracious even to come for us tonight, that we would meet you in the air and behold him face to face. But if he tarries, grant us trust, grant us obedience and faithfulness to live out our sojourn on this side of heaven for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen.